Talking Wellness with Developmental Services staff, a podcast for direct service professionals in Ontario's developmental services sector. I'm Sue Hutton. I'm a social worker and mindfulness teacher at the CAMH Azraeli Adult Neurodevelopmental Centre. And this podcast series is on well-being of direct staff, and we'll end each episode with some practical mindfulness tools. We'll be talking with staff from all across Ontario in all kinds of different roles supporting people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Now I'm just going to tell you a little bit about my amazing guest today, Dr. Yona Lunsky. Yona Lunsky is the little sister of someone with a developmental disability in Toronto and has benefited from the support of direct support professionals in the life of her sister for over 20 years. Yona's first job in the sector was at an overnight camp for people with disabilities. And Yona now directs a center focused on mental health and developmental disabilities research at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. This is where I know Yona from, and I'm very, very lucky to work with Yona's team there. Yona is passionate about doing research that matters and working together with people in the sector to develop new, better ways to address really complex problems. When Yona is not doing research or teaching, you might find her enjoying a long walk or a very slow jog in her neighborhood with her husky named Juno. I've met Juno and I've seen Yona out walking and Juno is lovely. And uh, Yona, I have to say, really walks the talk of this work and this research. So what a joy to have Yona joining us today. Welcome, everyone, to our very first podcast, which is all about wellness for developmental services professionals. We are really lucky to be able to kick off this whole podcast series with the director of the CAMH Azraeli Neurodevelopmental Center, Dr. Yona Lunsky. And having Dr. Yona Lunsky on this podcast as our very first guest actually makes so much sense because Yona is the person who really brought mindfulness into the forefront in terms of Ontario's research for developmental services professionals. Yona is passionate about ensuring that there are tools and resources available for direct service professionals. So this is super exciting. So Yona, can I go right into asking you this question? And this question is an addition to a set of questions that we're going to be asking all the different people that we'll be having as guests on our podcast. But because Yona is the director of the program that I work under and that we're doing all this fantastic research and great work under, I really want to ask Yona this. Yona, when I first connected with you many years ago now, 
and you learned that I was doing mindfulness groups. I had done training with John Kabat-Zinn, and I was practicing mindfulness and teaching mindfulness in different settings, but never in developmental services because there wasn't anything being offered back then. And I remember talking with you one day, and you said, I'm really excited to meet you, Sue, because I'm just about to start planning for some really important research all around mindfulness as a tool for caregivers. So Yona, can you tell us a little bit about why was that so important to you to launch right into? Great question, Sue. You're taking me back. I think it was uh, it was it was over 10 years ago, I think, when I started thinking about this. We had invited uh, Richard Hastings, who's a colleague of mine uh, in the UK, and he came to uh, Toronto to give a talk, and it was on challenging behavior. I work in a mental health uh, setting, uh, and we see you know a lot of people with developmental disabilities who also have um, mental health issues and sometimes um, behavior that challenges them or other people. Um, and uh, I was interested in different kinds of treatments and things that we can offer to people who are having difficulties. And uh, Richard Hastings came and he gave this talk and he talked about, first of all, you know, many things that are not that effective that we do sometimes to sort of quote, treat challenging behavior. But he kind of took a step back and he said, everything that the person with a disability does is so connected to what's going on you know, either with the staff person who's supporting them or with their family, and that we can actually intervene and change, you know, how somebody deals with the situation by stepping back and thinking about how we're also um, supporting or helping the caregivers in that person's life to be present to what's going on in that moment. And he started to share some research. Some of it was uh, Nirbay Singh's research because he was looking at these issues pretty early on and some work from other people. Uh, which got me really excited. It actually, it got me confused, to be honest, because I thought to myself, what the heck am I doing? What have I been doing? I never study caregivers. I never even think about them. I'm always focusing on, obviously, the sort of patient population, the people that, that, I, that I do my work with. And I thought, wow, what an interesting idea that I could actually switch who I'm focusing on because it not only impacts or improves their lives, as in caregivers, be it you know DSPs, parents, siblings, uh, but it also can uh, ultimately impact um, the people that they um, work with or that they love who, who has a disability. So I thought that's a really interesting idea. Where do I start sign me up? And I remember actually, I think I got up early in the morning and I met him the next day. I was like, I don't know, I've been thinking about this all night. I don't know what to do with this. What do I do? And he's like, well, you know, probably one of the first things you have to do is kind of figure out what this mindfulness thing is. Um, so um, I reached out to different people who were doing uh, work, who were, you know, practitioners in the area of mindfulness, because I thought I, and I was told by them as well, I can't study something I don't understand myself. So that was the beginning of my own personal journey. Um, and, you know, over time, I brought more people on board, including you, Sue, um, to think about how we just take some of these ideas, which make total sense, um, and apply them in different uh, innovative ways here. Uh, in Ontario, um, first with our families, but also um, with staff who work in our sector, and ultimately also with um, people um, who have disabilities themselves. 
Well, it's super exciting that you did launch into this because since I met you, and you're right, it's over a decade ago now, um, and you've started all of this amazing work, it really seems to be blossoming and mindfulness is growing in developmental services. And I'm so excited that we're doing this podcast because, Yona, as you know, I worked as a direct service professional for 30 years in an agency setting. I know how stressful it is. I know the lack of resources that staff can feel like they're getting to really properly do their job because of system barriers. And just taking the time to really honor how important our jobs are and nurturing ourselves so that we have the ability to really serve people the way they deserve to be served is so important. So as we know, Dr. Yona Lunsky really has set the stage for this kind of work. And so Yona, we're going to jump into asking you a few other questions now that we're going to be asking some of our other guests. And then at the end of this, we'll do a guided meditation together that we've done before with Yona that's really a guided meditation to help us remember that we're not alone in this work and that we're grounded and strong together. But Yona, some of the things we want to ask all the guests on our podcast are, first off, tell us a little bit about your job and what really brought you there. Well, I probably came to this work because I was living this field for the first however many years of my life, um, growing up uh, with a sister um, who has a disability. Uh, And then I thought, psychology is the way to go because that'll help us figure out some of the mysteries and things I didn't understand and then from being a psychologist kind of focused on this this issue of of mental health and and developmental disabilities I really got interested in sort of how we how we study it how we figure out you know how to make things better for people because frankly uh when I started my career I don't think things were that good um, and, 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 I, and I didn't know why no one was talking about it and why nobody was studying it. So um, I, yeah, I wanted to sort of see how we could use some of the clinical things I'd been learning um, and some of that stuff I did here, some of that stuff I was doing in, in the States where I did my training. And I thought, well, let's figure out ways to, to study those things, to make some changes and to help people understand the stuff we're learning uh, to really make a difference. That is so amazing because it really ties the the personal with the profession, right? Like, and I think I think so many of us uh, get into this field for personal reasons, and if we can strengthen our skills and understanding and knowledge base of how to serve people better, all the more amazing. So, Yona, that it's part of what makes you so amazing, and. Uh, And then the next question we want to ask is, what would you say, and again, of course, yours is going to be a little bit different because you're in a very unique position compared to a lot of the direct service professionals who might be listening. But in your work, what would you say are some of the some of the big places where you find you can really apply tools like mindfulness to help you serve people better and do your job better? Um, well, you know, I think whether you're sort of in a clinical encounter interaction with someone who's in distress, who's considered, you know, your patient or your client, 
or you're in an encounter with a work colleague, um, it could be your supervisor who's demanding something from you, uh, a family who's called, who's really in distress, someone who works in policy that's trying to understand what the heck is going on, someone you're speaking to from the media who's asking you a question. Like in any of these situations, they can be stressful. And it's really helpful, I think, sometimes to feel grounded, um, to pause, to listen and be aware of um, what that other person is bringing to the table, you know, especially, I think, if they're distressed. Um, and also being aware of how that's making you feel, how that makes me feel in that situation um, so that I can have a response that is a, I guess, a more present response, an intentional response, right? As opposed to just a reactive one or a, I'm really somewhere else, but I'll have to do this kind of response, right? So I think any kind of situations in work that are stressful uh, those kinds of skills are really helpful. And I think now in particular, um, because everything has been so stressful around um, COVID, you know, we talk sometimes about this kind of moral distress that many of us are experiencing. So just really difficult circumstances of so many people, again, whether it's a work colleague or someone who has a disability or a family member or whatever, um, so having these kinds of skills, I think it's a little bit of a protection for me in terms of being aware of my own stuff and what's going on. And I think also, again, in terms of like that listening, it's just that much more important, I think, for us to be present to other people, especially when we don't have like the answer or the solution or the thing that's going to fix everything, right? Like sometimes it's just this kind of moment of appreciating, wow. You know, that is a really, really difficult situation. Um, and I'm not going to try to avoid it or fix it or run away from it. I'm just going to be present with you for this moment um, while you're experiencing that. That kind of sums it up beautifully. And, you know, Yona, I love, I love the fact that you kind of framed it that way. And, of course, we're not going to turn this into a really nerdy research podcast. Don't worry, people. We're not going to start throwing statistics and stuff at you and make this really dry. But, Yona, you referred to Nirbhai Singh, who kind of started the research looking at, um, you know, autism and mindfulness. And I just want to do a quick little comment, just kind of, kind of uh, piggybacking on what you said, you know, Nirbai doing that research with group home staff, in which he had staff in those four group homes down in the United States practice mindfulness over 12 weeks. And these were homes in which the autistic youth, um, you know, we like to say behavior is communication, of course, but you know, there, there were there were some challenging behaviors. I'm always I always kind of frame the word behavior around, you know, all behavior is communication. But as we know, these four homes, there was, it was a challenging, challenging experience. So these four group homes had staff, all who practice mindfulness daily, doing techniques like the one that we'll do at the end of this podcast. And Nirbai and his team collected data and they collected, um, you know, stats on on verbal redirections and physical restraints. These were homes using physical restraints, um, staff injuries um, due to aggressive uh, 
incidents and uh, PRN medications also I think they looked at how often they gave yeah. uh, medications to people in distress yeah 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 and isn't it so exciting Yona like that the the results of that well do you want to talk a little bit about the results of that research after staff not the individuals living there but only the staff practice that mindfulness for 12 weeks yeah, I mean, it, that's exactly what I was thinking about before. The the information that got me so excited is that actually we can inter we can intervene and improve a person's situation by intervening with the people around that person, right? So by those staff being present, you know, which is really important right now because we're all somewhere else all the time, you know. But I think by these staff learning certain kinds of skills and how to be a bit more present to their own distress so they could kind of pause I think before they gave a certain kind of response and also maybe to be um, more empathic or more aware of what was happening what that person was trying to communicate in that moment it just kind of shifted that interaction so that uh, we saw you know less restraint uh, less PRN use you know um, and really just a more positive situation for all of the residents um, in those homes. It's so true that stress is contagious, and the beautiful thing is mindfulness is contagious, too. I, I remember back when I was um, uh, doing case management in a supported independent living program, and there was some uh, part-time staff who were going in and out of uh, the apartments of the people that uh, were on my caseload. And I got a phone call one day from one of the staff, and the staff was kind of hyperventilating and very distressed, very upset. Um, and uh, I said, okay, okay, so just take a deep breath, tell me what's happening. And then she, she put the, the person with the disability on the phone, and the person with the disability sounded exactly like the staff. She was also hyperventilating, <laughs> sounding very yeah, distressed. Mirroring each other, yeah. Right, right. And I had never heard that particular um, person with a disability communicate that way before, but and then I remember, you know, going over there, helping everybody settle down. And then I, I think I went out for coffee. I took that staff out for coffee after and we sat down somewhere. And then she told me everything she was going through in her life and how she had all these triggers going on. It had nothing to do with the, with the person with a disability in their apartment. But she was so upset. And I think, you know, I mean, that was 25 years ago. But if she were here today, hopefully she'd be practicing mindfulness with us too. Um, so then the, the next question before, before we get into doing a practice to really help nurture ourselves is, um, Yona, and again, knowing, knowing again, your position's different than, than a lot of folks in direct service, but do you feel like staff who you come across and you are in contact with staff all across the province, all across the world, really, but do you feel like staff could really use supports like mindfulness? I mean, we, I think we know the answer is yes, but can you just talk a little bit? How do you think that this can practically help help people? Right. Well, first of all, I think it's really important for people to understand, and I'm sure if you listen to the podcast, you'll start to pick this up. Mindfulness means all kinds of things, right? It's not, if we said every staff needs to sit quietly you know, on a cushion for 30 minutes every morning and meditate, you know, 100% they do not need that. I would love to see a world where everyone did. It'd be very interesting to watch, but that's not what mindfulness is necessarily, right? There are many ways we can practice uh, slowing down and being present uh, to what's going on, but it doesn't have to be that, um, you know, but I think that 
you know, many of us, um, you know, first of all, when we're in difficult kind of situations with someone else, again, whether it's a coworker or someone we're supporting and they're very distressed, it's helpful to just have that kind of slow motion button, you know, where you can kind of just pause um, to, to notice what the other person is experiencing and to recognize how that's making you feel so that you make a choice around how it is that you're gonna respond. So that I think is helpful. I think knowing for yourself, even before you go into that situation or go into that shift, and I'm thinking about your phone uh, or your meeting you had with that staff and the coffee and when, when they told you about all the stuff going on, you know, there are some times where we're just not at our best. Um, and I think staff have this kind of like superhero kind of mentality sometimes, like if you're a good staff, you can handle anything. And I don't, I don't think that's true, Sue. You know, I th think... Uh, if you're a good staff, you know what you can handle and you know what you can't handle. So I think, you know, if you had like a knee injury, then you wouldn't want to go, you know, play football or something and really hurt yourself. You'd say, well, maybe I have to be a little bit gentle on this knee right now because my knee's not doing too well. And I think we have to be able to know how we're doing, you know, physically and also emotionally uh, on any given day. And we can't always get out of work. That would be great. That would be so fun if like every time I wanted to, I could go you know, hang out at a cottage or something. We have some realities, but what we do in that day, how we let our team know how they can support us, what we need, all those things can shift a little bit by knowing how it is that we're feeling ourselves. So that's before the situation that I spoke about in that moment in the situation. I think mindfulness can also be helpful with us after a situation. You know, sometimes something is really distressing to us and we don't even recognize that's happened and we just kind of keep going. And it's like, wait a minute, maybe this is a good opportunity to just kind of pause and notice, you know, what it is that we're experiencing right now um, and uh, kind of reflecting on it a bit, um, taking a breath, you know, that, that I think can help us uh, in terms of returning to the next part of our day um, or even maybe learning from something like learning from that, which might affect us uh, in the future. See, that's why it's so great working with Yona. Yona gets this. And um, <laughs> and it's just, it's so nice to hear you say all of that. And, uh, you know, I really like the fact that Yona started off that answer by saying, you know what, mindfulness is not always sitting down in a lotus position with your thumbs touching your forefingers and chanting Om, right? So that, that kind of image is going to turn so many people off. And this is the beautiful thing of researching this. Now, I, you know, taught mindfulness and practiced mindfulness in really traditional settings before working with Yona. And I have to say this, it is the autistic adults who Yona engages and come and advise us on our research that we do with autistic adults who have really taught me to shake the way we look at mindfulness upside down and really honor every person's neurodiversity. We have people who come and do our programs who would never think of sitting still, but we find wise ways to make mindfulness match what they're doing and uh, kind of plug it in. So yeah. should we, to like anything else to add on that, Yona, or should we go right into a practice? I would love to just pause Sue and practice something with you. I think that would be delightful. Okay, let's do it. So 
everybody, Yona and I will now go into a practice. I'll guide us through a little something that we sometimes do. We do this with caregivers and we do this with staff. We do this with people in helping professions because this can be a sort of nice tool to help us settle into the present moment. And just as a reminder, with all these mindfulness practices, it's great if you can have a few moments in your day before you go out the door to work, like Yona said, tuning in with yourself before you go out to your shift. And that's a chance to kind of rewire the brain to grease those neural pathways to be in a space of being able to be present, compassionate with ourselves and other people and to be able to pause and respond the way we want to rather than flying off the handle and knee-jerk reaction when things get challenging. But I'm going to show you a technique that we can do in the morning before we go out to work, can do at the end of the day after a shift, and you can even use elements of this during your shift or when you're busy at work. So let's, let's just try this together right now. So I invite you to get into a position in which you can just pay attention okay that's all you really want to do is get into that position where you can focus yourself and your attention so that might mean just simply straightening your posture a little bit you may be standing you may be seated if you happen to be listening to this while you're walking or driving that's fine too obviously don't close your eyes if you're driving but if you're in a position where you can close your eyes you can do that now and let's just begin with experiencing the breath in our body. Now we know for some people, it can make them feel anxious to think about paying attention to their breath. So with all these techniques, I want you to do it in a way that's comfortable for you. If that is comfortable to pay attention to your breath, you can feel free to even place a hand on the chest or a hand on the belly that gives you that nice concrete place to feel as you breathe in and the body expands out receiving the breath and as you exhale feel free to sigh with a little sound of ah, just releasing any tension breathing in again belly expanding out and sigh out giving yourself permission to release and relax and let go. Now I invite you just to pause for a moment and think about yourself as being a most beautiful tree in a forest. So some of us might like pine trees or maple trees, willow trees, birch trees even just picture yourself in a beautiful natural forest and you are this exquisite tree rooted deep down into the earth grounding you your roots grow far down below the surface of the earth keeping you grounded feeling your body resting on the ground feeling your body releasing and expanding those roots that sense of groundedness down into the earth 
and you can breathe in and out. Imagining that you can breathe in and out of those roots. Feeling yourself rising majestically up toward the sky. Can you feel your body powerful and strong, yet supple and growing? You may even feel yourself ever so subtly just swaying with the wind. So you have a sense of flexibility. You're grounded and rooted, powerful, yet you're flexible. You can continue to feel the breath flowing in and out the body. And if you're somebody who's particularly visual, not all of us are, but if you are, you can imagine that you're feeding yourself, being nourished, breathing in nutrients from the earth, rising up, feeling that beautiful trunk of the tree as it grows upward toward the sky, feeling the top of your head rising up toward the sun, you may even feel that sense of wonder as the sun filters down, touching your branches. And just right now for a moment, feeling yourself seated where you are, again, whatever position you're in right now, feel yourself being fully supported. So if you still like that imagery of the roots down in the earth, or even just feeling your body right here, right now, where you're seated, totally supported where you are. And just take a moment and reflect on the fact that there are trees all over this earth and the roots way down below the surface of the earth are all connected with each other. So we are part of this forest of trees growing rooted, grounded, and powerful, reaching up and providing shelter and safety and protection. The more we nurture ourselves and tend to our own roots, allowing ourselves to grow, the more we have to offer others. Also knowing that we will eventually share seeds, our leaves will fall to the ground with seeds. So what we put out will have an impact on others. So just tending to ourselves, nurturing ourselves in whatever way we can, breathing in and out. Remembering when we expand the belly out, we're releasing those wonderful positive endorphins. And if there's moments during the day on a shift, wherever we are, where we can use some grounding if we're in a challenging moment, just feeling our feet on the earth, feeling rooted and grounded, remembering we are powerful and present, yet flexible. Feel free to place a hand on the chest and the belly if they're not already there. And can you feel that warmth, that caring streaming into your own body? And let's just take three 
breaths as we close this meditation. We love talking about just three breaths because a lot of caregivers tell us that that's enough to reset and get back in the moment. So just taking note for just three breaths on how you're doing right now. Can you breathe in and take note? Is your breath shallow? Is it deep? And release and relax on the out breath. Once again, breathing in. And as you release and relax, can you feel the forehead softening, the jaws softening, shoulders letting go? And one more breath in and out. And then when you're ready, you can stretch the body as it wants to stretch in whatever direction and slowly open your eyes. Wow. Thank you, Sue. That was, I needed to feel uh, rooted, you know, grounded. That was really helpful for me today and a really powerful metaphor, I think, for us, you know, being in this, uh, in this leafy forest together. And also like that image of the, you know, the little seeds, I think, what comes from us that falls, that lands, that spreads. Uh, and sort of maybe unites us with the other people around us. So thank you for that. That was great. Well, it feels appropriate to do with you, Yona. And I just have to say one more time, thank you so much, Yona, for everything that you do for direct support oh. professionals, for people <laughs> with developmental disabilities, intellectual disabilities, autism, fetal alcohol spectral disorder. You endlessly pour wellness and kindness into this whole community. Aww. So it, thank you so much. Thank you, Sue. And, and for people who can't see Sue right now, you have to know in terms of the whole tree thing, if you ever watch a video with Sue doing mindfulness, she is amongst these beautiful green trees and strong forest right behind her in her background. So uh, it's been lovely to sit with you today <laughs> and to chat with you, Sue. I can't wait till we're doing these things together in person, but I think we've... Uh, found ways to connect even in this time without seeing each other um, so thanks for inviting me to join you today and I hope people enjoy the podcast so great to have you thank you for listening this podcast has been brought to you by the CAMH Azraeli Adult Neurodevelopmental Center in Toronto. That always feels like such a mouthful. And it's in uh, partnership with the Provincial Network on Developmental Services and funded by the Ministry of Children, Community and Social Services. The podcast is part of the Cultivating Community Wellness Initiative. Thank you to our very own Katie Cardiff, who has edited these sessions for your listening pleasure. And thank you, musician and producer Kevin Laliberté, who has put together the beautiful music that you are hearing in these episodes. Most of all, thank you to all of you out there in developmental services doing the work that is so important 
and so unseen. We celebrate you and thank you. Take care and we'll see you next week.